As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, it is just before game six. We've had game four. Five? Yeah, I think that's what it is. So let's let's spend half the podcast kind of looking back at Game Five and then looking ahead to Game Six because people will be getting ready to watch that game. Um, so what was like your top line reaction to Game Five? That they were lucky to get out of what was happening in the second half of that game. Um, I know a lot of fans are super upset with the officiating. I think a lot of the penalties that the Leafs got were penalties. Where I can understand why fans are upset is that the Leafs really haven't gotten a lot of breaks. They haven't had hardly any power plays in the series. They've only had 10 in five games, which is they didn't have a lot of power plays during the regular season. They only had 2.7 a game, which was one of the lowest in the NHL. And now they're down to two a game. So the fans, I think, are right to want to see their power play on the ice a little bit more. But I don't think that they can complain about the calls that went against them in game five because I think those were penalties I think the only one that you could probably really gripe about was Gardner getting the extra penalty because he didn't do it like he was a third man in but he really didn't do much uh, but I guess why it would sting more is their power play has been pretty good when it's gotten the chance it just hasn't gotten that many chances I would say like the the fact that they survived that game like it when it was 4-1 it still kind of felt inevitable that Boston was going to come back and make it interesting how concerned would you be with that second half of that game or would you look at it and say you know what score effects team gets ahead team that's behind pushes 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 and just kind of falls short I guess I think the biggest concern would be that the penalty kill is still a disaster would probably be my biggest concern with it went five of six yeah and Frederick Anderson I think had 43 saves 42 whatever it was 
And I didn't think he looked actually that good. Neither didn't, did you. They only had to kill one penalty in Game 4, right? I was talking to some of the penalty killers after Game 4, and they're like, well, we were perfect in Game 4. And yeah, because I remember ahead of Game 5, I think someone like asked Mike about their penalty kill. And he basically said, actually, I didn't think it looked good at all. Um, but, you know, you killed it off and you're okay. But yeah, their penalty kill, I guess that's concerning because it still looks like it any time they could get scored against. I think it was Andreas Janssen. I was asking about the penalty kill and it's struggling in the series and whatever. And he's like, we were one for one or something like that. <laughs> he, he just seems like one of those really super positive guys that always is looking for the best. So, I mean, you ask what my concern level would be. It would be that the penalty kill is still not there and that I don't think they're going to take get six penalties and the Bruins are only going to get one in this game. But even if they're even, um, the Leafs need to figure out what they're doing on their penalty kill. And... Mike Babcock seems to stubbornly want to stick with the same personnel there. So, you know, that if Ron Hainsey plays 26 minutes in this game, I don't like their chances. Well, so that became kind of an interesting, like, subplot of the game. He ended up playing just about all their, their penalty kills. Um, and then Babcock was asked about it on Sunday and basically said, well, who else do you want me to use? Which is not a really good question to ask because there's lots of guys he could use, even guys that you know, do kill penalties. Like, you could use Riley. And you could see, like, um, Hainsey was gassed. Like, during one of the TV timeouts, he was just, like, hanging on the top of the net trying to catch his breath and then just stayed out there the entire time. Like, there are other guys to use. He doesn't use Gardner much on the penalty kill, so he'd probably say, well, he doesn't kill penalties. But you can use Riley. Like, you can mix in some other guys. The fact that they got it done kind of helps him escape, you know, harsher blame i guess they did this all year with hainsey and there's a reason why nhl teams don't do this there's a reason why nhl teams have penalty kill units not one penalty kill guy that plays it's funny watching the game live because you can see the full ice of what's happening um when it's a five on four and the puck goes down the other end of the ice and and the bruins are regrouping three of the penalty killers will go to the bench and ron hainsey will kind of just stand there and Mm -hmm. not not make a move towards the bench and just like kind of hunch over and wait for the onslaught to come and I don't know. I look at the results and I'm like, Hainsey has a hard time getting the puck out. Like, why is he such a great penalty killer? I think so, he is a good penalty killer, but it does. It still doesn't make any sense. Like, you you don't use you don't use anybody that much, let alone like a 37 year old. Like, when you don't have to, when you have like other players who can kill penalties. I talked to him early in the year about it, and basically what he said is, if they're not getting trapped in zone, he's not really have to having to work and expend a lot of energy. He'll just stay on. That's kind of his philosophy. And that's, but the the thing is, like they were stuck in zone at points. Like there were points when he should have just gotten off the ice. Um, the other thing, like with Game Five, that I think we should discuss is some of the line changes that they made. It paid off in the first half of the game. Obviously, <coughs> like we've discussed, the second half of the game it didn't end up mattering. Um, but getting, I think it was interesting that they did end up getting William Nylander away from Austin Matthews and and sort of away from Zdeno Chara. I think what it did early in the game is it kind of screwed up the thinking of the Bruins because they spent the first period basically matching Chara against both Neander and Kadri as well as the Matthews line so I guess it had the intended effect yeah absolutely and now in game six uh, the Leafs have last change and they can try and force those different matchups more frequently and you know we're still waiting for that big breakout game from Austin Matthews and I remember you said it before game five it's entirely possible that he changes the narrative around him and scores two goals or three mm-hmm. goals or two goals and assist and he's got that game breaking ability so you know there are some things that are in the Leafs favor I think going into game six the the, the reality is is that they haven't yet in the series had last change and had Nazem Kadri mm-hmm. and those are two 
key things that helped them win a lot of home games during the year. So, you know, that's uh, that's another positive, I think, for the Leafs going into this one. Well, and if you look back, like, at the track record of Kadri against Bergeron during the regular season, like, he fared not great, but he fared better than Austin Matthews. And if I was if I was the Leafs and I was being optimistic about our chances, if I'm them, not our chances as in me, but their chances, um, I would be thinking it's 3-2. For three games, we didn't have Nazem Kadri. We haven't had a great game out of our best player and our best line. Our goalie hasn't been very good at all, even though he made 40 saves. I still thought he looked really uncomfortable, nervous, shaky. He didn't look quiet in his net. He made a lot of saves. But like all those things have yet to happen. And you would figure at some point in the series, Matthews will have a game. You would assume it's less likely, but that Anderson would have a game. And, you know, maybe Kadri has a game or Marner has another big game. Like there's a lot of things that I think could still happen in their favor. And because we're talking about the lines, the decision to leave Leo, Uncle Leo out, I'm not going to even try it. Komarov. Komarov, yeah. Oh, like a, like a comb-over. Yes. Comb-over-a-rov. Uh, um, the decision to leave him out of the lineup and to bump uh, Bozak and JVR and Kapanen down to where they're the fourth line really gives them a lot of speed, a lot of depth. And I think that with the Leafs having last change and Kadri, it's going to be a lot tougher for the Bruins. There are other lines. There are other defense pairs when the Bergeron pair, well, line isn't on the ice. To, to counteract what the Leafs are doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I'm somewhat optimistic that there's going to be a Game 7 in this series, to be honest. Well, you know what it does is is it makes it so you have those three lines that you, you're you okay with any matchup, basically. Because you're okay with Kadri going against Bergeron. You're okay. You're not, like, thrilled, but you're okay if Matthews goes against him. And obviously, Pukanitz, since he's gotten a bigger role, has looked better. And obviously, tonight he's going to play with Nylander and Janssen. Um, and we haven't seen a Neander game. Like he still hasn't made an impact yeah, on the point. series. Yeah, one point. Yeah, they need more than that. I mean, their three leading scorers were Marner, Matthews, and Neander. And of those three, only Marner has been really, really good in this series. And mm-hmm. you know, there have been other guys that have stepped up. I like. The, I really like the way that Patrick Marner has played in this series. Um, you know, you like the way obviously that a, that a Janssen has played in this series. Even last game, I mean, Bozak comes up with the big goal. JVR comes up with the the, the fourth goal, which ends up being big. But they need their big guys to to step up. And you know, game game three really stood out to me because of the way Morgan Riley played and, and the fire that he came out with and 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 how aggressive he was with the puck. They they need that kind of performance again from someone like Riley or Gardner or 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 a Nylander. Or a Kadri. I mean, Kadri's got the ability to break a game open as well. So yeah, well, he had it. He the pass he made in in Game Five to Andreas Janssen, like that's a, a really hard pass to like thread that in there. But it just shows like you, going back to Komarov. I know Mike Babcock has spent the last couple of days trying to insist that Komarov, you know, he's not fully healthy and he can't play yet. I don't buy that. I, I, well, Leo I believe said he was healthy. Komarov said he was ready, and, and Babcock said, well, what he tells you and what he tells the doctors and what the doctors say is different. If Mike Babcock wanted Leo Komarov to be playing, I'm pretty sure he would be playing. I just think it's a recognition on his part that his lineup's better. Like, it's really hard to... Who would you take out? Like, would you take out Kapanen with his speed and ability to potentially score you a goal? Would you take out Janssen, who looks like one of their six or seven best forwards no all of those players are counteracting what the Bruins do well and you can see Chara struggle against 
The numbers tell the story. You look at the analytics. When Marner's on the ice, when Janssen's on the ice, when Kapanen's on the ice. And I think that that is the biggest reason they made the change with putting Brown on that line instead of Nylander. Because Brown is going to be willing, not even willing, it's the way he plays. And I talked to Brown after the game and he said, you know what, we're not going to enter the zone with control the way that Nylander does. Me me and and Hyman aren't going to do that. We are going to skate over the blue line if we can, chip the puck behind Chara, turn him around, and go after it. And Mm -hmm. if you get Chara turning around, he's not the fastest guy in the world at 41 years old. Uh, Hyman and Brown are fearless, and they're willing to go into the corners against Chara and try and get that puck back. So Mm -hmm. they're looking for that play where they can get the puck down there below the goal line and pop it back out front to Matthews. It worked on the first goal, and and Brown was the one that scored it, not Matthews, but that's what they're looking to do over and over again. Well, and I thought it was interesting that... What ended up happening, and this is why like the line shuffle ended up being crucial, is the shift before Char was on the ice against Nylander and Kadri. So when Matthews came out, which was actually after a TV break, Matthews was facing McQuaid and Krug, and Matthews ended up exposing Krug on the goal and 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 set it up. Well, Brown knocked Krug down there, right? And and Brown is like Brown is 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 almost a better guy to go against Char because he's just going to like hack and whack, and he's just going to like hound him and hound him and hound him. Whereas Neander's more on the outside, more trying to create with his skill. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there anything though? Like when you look at Kadri going against Bergeron, like Babcock was asked this morning about you know slowing Bergeron he's like well we haven't really um I do think that Kadri gives them a better chance of making that line maybe work especially with how well Marner and Marlowe have played yeah no I think so too and Kadri Bergeron's playing hurt he's an older player he is a, a fantastic player I mean I, I think I don't want to take anything away from any of those guys but there there's an opening there and where the opening I think is is that Marlowe and Marner have been very, very good at getting the puck in their own end and turning it into a, a chance the other way. And Kadri can help them do that. Kadri's really good at the outlet pass as well. They can play in the offensive zone more, yeah. which is what they need. So I, I think that that's, that's the, the, the best defense that they can have against that line is, is make them play defense. Well, and I thought that's what they really did. I can't remember what game it was, but there, it was, I think it was the first game in Toronto. Whatever, whatever game it was, there was a game where it was, Mar- I guess it was when Pukanich was between Marner and Marlowe, and early in the game, I guess it was game three, maybe it was game four, whatever, they really forced them to work offensively, and then the second half of the game, Bergeron's line was Bergeron's line. Um, is there anything else like ahead of this game that you want to get to before we kind of wrap? I think Anderson, uh, like I know everybody at least media-wise, like in the post-game, was asking players and talking to Anderson about how great he was. I still don't think, and I mentioned this earlier, I still don't think he looks comfortable. Um, what do you th- see with him? No, I don't think he's 100% there yet either. Um, he made some great saves, but the, I think the Bruins missed the net on some really great opportunities. They they can't give up 90 shot attempts. Like, it's just, you're not going to win that many of those games no matter how good your goalie is. So, yeah. you know, I, I, he's one of the keys to them extending this series and potentially winning this series. But, I mean, with surviving that Game 5, they're back in it again. I mean, that's that the, the big positive is that they somehow won that game. And the other big positive is that the first 32 minutes of that game when they went up 4-1, they were the better team. They were all over Boston. They were very aggressive on them. And if you look at the even strength minutes, 
the Leafs were the better team too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. those are the positives that they have to take out of it. And they just got to play a little bit cleaner, and I think they can win. Well, they're down 3-2 going into this, and they have yet to play like a really full good game. Like, I don't think you could look at any game in the series and say they played really well for the whole game. No. Whereas Boston could probably look at that a couple games. Game four was probably their best game, and they lost, where they gave up those two opportunities. Yeah, yeah the two-on-ones. All right, well, we'll be back uh, after game five. Game six. This is game six. <laughs> Whatever the result is, uh, we'll either be previewing game seven or we'll be talking about the offseason. We'll chat then. Penitentiary chances. The devil dances and eventually answers to the call of autumn. All them falling for the love of falling. Get caught with 30 rocks. The cop look like Alec Baldwin. In a century anthems based off inner city tantrums.